Welcome to Bear Books Podcast with me, Daisy Ray. And me, April Berry. This is a momentous occasion. We it's have... a hundred, it's a hundred, it's a hundred. <laughs> not, not that she's excited or anything. I'm really excited, yeah. 100 episodes, how amazing is that? And we have you to thank for that, you know. If you weren't tuning in and listening in your thousands now, thank you so much. Yes, it is a great huge thanks to you that we've actually reached this milestone. And we've got a bit of a special author in Ampy today. The guest on today's podcast is Rebecca L. Marsh. She's the author of When the Storm Ends, Where Hope is Found, The Rift Between Us, and her new novel, Remember the Butterfly, which is the reason that Rebecca is joining us today. How fantastic. What I'm going to do then is read the book blurb for everybody so you've got an idea of what the book is about if you haven't read it yet and as it's brand new we will forgive you if you haven't you have time so the blurb goes a little bit like this then what if you had to give up what you treasured most something unexpected changes the course of Gillian's life after witnessing her sister's murder she's been tormented by survivor's guilt Her desperate longing for a child compounds her grief, while endless fertility treatments weigh down her soul. Just when hope seems beyond her grasp, her dream of motherhood comes true. All Gillian's pain is washed away and joy fills her heart. But when someone shows up threatening to take it all away, Gillian must choose between holding on to her newfound happiness or giving it all up for the sake of someone she loves. Remember the Butterfly is a heartfelt and emotional story about love and sacrifice that will take you on an emotional journey. And now we're going to find out a little bit more about Rebecca. Welcome to a Bear Books podcast, Rebecca. Thank you. It's good to be here. We just want to spend some time today getting to know you, learning some more about your novel, talking about how extremely emotional it all is <laughs> what made you want to write something so emotional actually it's a subject I didn't really think I ever would write about because the infertility and adoption process that's pretty personal to me since I've been through that and right I really didn't feel like I could ever write about that I don't really know where this story came from but when it came into my mind it was a way to write about that stuff without it really being my story. So it was a way for me to put those feelings into a story without it being just like my story. So I think it works really well. There is so much going on in this particular novel. I've read one other of your stories and it was kind of emotional too. But this one is, it's a step away again. It is completely different When I first started reading it, it was, wow, Gillian, your main character, she's going through so much. Surely it's got to get better. She's got to have some luck. Something's got to go right for her. Where's it going to go from here? Because it was definitely not predictable. Is that the way you write? Are you an emotional writer? Uh, Definitely an emotional writer, yes. All of my books are emotional in their own way, just in different ways. And in a sense, they all have the aspect of healing to a certain degree in them. Yes, yeah, definitely a lot of feelings in there. 
What did you think of it, April? Well, I was just about to say, kind of, uh, Rebecca, you've kind of answered most of my questions, actually, in that first three sentences. I'm not as, what's the word I'm looking for, touchy-feely as Daisy. So it didn't make me want to cry. I sort of read something and I'm pretty matter-of-fact, if that makes sense. Maybe it's because you're not a mum. Yeah, that could be. It could be that, because I'm not a mum. I pulled all the emotion out of it because, you know, the emotion was in there. I thought it was really, really well written. It was very descriptive and the whole thing, it came over to me, but it didn't make me cry. What I want to know is let's go back to the beginning of your writing journey and what made you want to be a writer. That's a tough question because it's something that I started doing when I was 12. And when I decided to start writing, it was more of a compulsion than a choice is the way I feel about it. I don't know if that makes sense to anyone else. It was more of something I felt like I needed to do than choosing to do it. It does make sense. I tried to imagine reading this book. If I would have felt the same depth of emotion, had I read Keeley's story before Gillian's story, Was it because Keeley's side of it was so heartbreaking? So remember the butterfly (laughs) and everything that that encapsulates. It's just such an emotional title and sentence and feeling. And it just, it is the book, isn't it? Remember the butterfly. The title is absolutely perfect. Oh, well, thank you. I'm glad to hear that. (laughs) No, I wrote it that way because I really wanted the reader to first be wrapped up in Jillian's struggle and to be totally on her side. And then when they, when Keely first comes into the picture, they're seeing her only as the mother who abandoned her child. But then when they get her story, they feel differently about her. And the idea that I really was trying to put in there was to make the reader feel torn between the two when only one can get exactly what they want. Yeah. Gillian went through so, so much with IVF, with her marriage, with her family, with hiding her feelings to a large extent. It's such a complex issue in real life, and to write a novel about that is to be applauded. Well, I appreciate that. I've got to say that you brought some hard-hitting subjects into this novel. I felt really, really sorry for, for Keely. And, and one of the things is, you know, where did you get Devin from? Uh, no, I haven't experienced that, if that's what you're asking. <laughs> no, no, I wasn't. I just wondered where you kind of got him from. Just because there are guys out there that are like him, you know, and women do experience that. And I think a lot of people don't realize how it sucks a woman in and makes her feel like she can't get away. You know, I had a beta reader even tell me that she didn't think that was believable, that, oh, no, she, you know, would leave if something like that was going on. It's like, but that's not what happens in reality. A lot of people stay. They're manipulated and, you know, that's the way it goes, that they just make the, they should leave, but it's made difficult for them and scary for them and, the manipulation tactics just keep them in there. That's exactly right, I think. It knocks your self-esteem when somebody treats you that way. 
it changes the way you think about yourself and what you think you are worth. And when it's something that happens for a long time or it's the seed of it is from somewhere else, then because Keely sort of already felt like she wasn't quite enough with the situation with her parents and before she actually realised what Remember the Butterfly meant, she thought she wasn't quite enough. And I think because that was already in her mind, even at a subconscious level, maybe that's why Devin had the chance to be the way he was and get away with it for the length of time he did. And because she was very desperate to once again feel the love she got from her father and never got afterwards. Yeah. When her aunt came along, all she did really was undermine that. And I made her the villain of the piece for a little while, Lois. (laughs) (laughs) She was a villain for a little while. I I did like tell her off while I was reading it in my mind. (laughs) I'm like, is there any need? Really? (laughs) Yeah, that's what I would expect. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Do you know characters like all of these characters in your book? Uh, No, not like all of them, I wouldn't say. Uh, I don't think I've ever personally known a Devon, thankfully for my life, but I know they're out there. And I know people who have known, you know, people in their life like that. Um, Yeah. But like people like Lois that hide their emotions because she really did love Keely. Mm-hmm. But for a long, long, long time, Keely didn't know that. Yeah, I, I, I don't have a Lois in my life. But, you know, again, there are people who just don't know how to express their emotions in an appropriate way. Yeah. And she was one of those. She thought she was protecting and she was hurting instead. But she was she was quite intimidating with it, I thought really. Do you know what I really like about this book was the fact that the characters, I like to talk about like they're actually people, like they're not characters, they're not made up. The essence of a really, really good novel to me personally is that I believe in it while I'm reading it. These are not just characters, these are people. I'm glad I was able to do that for you. (laughs) That's definitely the goal. Very much like Daisy, I could see and I could feel the anguish of Keely and the anguish of Gillian and the is it Ollie is it Nathan who you know moving about from one to the other and it was it was painful and I could see it in my mind's eye as I was reading it I'm glad it was I was able to do that for you because I'm actually not a very visual thinker when I read I don't really I don't picture it (laughs) well not really I guess I sometimes ha- I do have one beta reader who sometimes reminds me when I forget to describe things good. So <laughs> she kind of tells me, you know, I can't see this person yet. And it's like, oh, I guess I did forget that part. So <laughs> she helps me with that a little bit. So what's your writing like on a day to day? Do you sit down and decide to write so many words a day? Do you have a time of day? Are you just inspired as and when? Uh Generally, I aim to do my writing, and I like to do it in the afternoon. It doesn't happen every day. I try to get to a certain point each week, but I don't really necessarily have a word count per day. Yeah. Do you like to write in silence, or do you like music on, or do you set a mood? I'm probably more writing in silence. I don't really put music on, um, but I don't always have silence, and I, you know, 
work with what I got. So, you know. Well, yes, that's true. We adapt. <laughs> Is the aim to be a full-time author? That would be nice. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Have you got any thoughts, Rebecca, for, for the next book? Uh, the next one I'm working on is actually a sequel to Where Hope is Found. I'm aiming to write it so that they can also operate both as standalone novels, more of an episodal type you know, sequel, where if you read one and you didn't read the other one, you're not going to be completely lost. Oh, that's good. So it, it has its own storyline. Just It will be revisiting some of the same characters and in the same setting was that is that your favorite that you've written so far then no not really it's more that I felt that it was the easiest one to do a sequel with because I just think the setting of it made it easier and that there were there was more there for me to work with to build another story right yeah not not all stories would have something in them for a sequel really would they i'm not sure if remember the butterfly would need a sequel because i think it's perfect as it is i'd have a hard time coming up with a sequel for that one or really um really the other two either i don't think i could i don't know if i could do it well actually where hope is found does come to a conclusion with all the questions that are in that story i just was able to see another opportunity and actually, the next, the sequel brings in a new character who is kind of the more the main character in that story. But the setting allowed me to kind of bring in a new character and a new part of the story, but still use the old characters for some of the supporting parts of the story. And the main character in the first one is an adult who uh, was a married woman with two children and a husband and then they go on a vacation and tragedy strikes and she ends up with uh trying to recover from that tragedy is what that storyline is mostly about and moves to an island with her brother to try and find a new start and the island is where the sequel also takes place right it's a completely made-up island so it kind of gives me my own made-up setting to work with and I don't know. I just found that easier to do a sequel with. It means you can do anything you want. Exactly. Yeah, your imagination can run riot. I love that. Making up worlds, making up an island, making up lives. Exactly. Is there a little bit of playing God, I think, in an, in an author, any author, not you in particular? I guess you could look at it that way in some aspect because you're creating people, you know, your own characters, your own storylines yeah where their lives are going whether they get a happy ending or not uh they always get a happy ending in my books in some form or fashion i like that the the fact that that you can you know everybody can have a happy ending and i think that's why a lot of people read books and because nine times out of ten there is a good outcome which for real life is not always the case that's true yeah, it gives you an escape into a place that might be difficult for a while, but the outcome brings you to a good place. I think it's one of the good things about books. In real life, you could wait 40 years for a good outcome. If you get one at all in a book, it's just 300 pages later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So have you, have you got a sort of timeline, a publishing date for when the uh, 
when the next one, the sequel to Where Hope is Found, is going to be released, Rebecca? I am not big on setting deadlines too quickly because I don't like to set myself up for something that I might not be able to meet. So, no, I haven't decided on when that will come out yet. I'm also working on what's going to be a Christmas book of short stories, and I don't know which one will be first. So I've still got at least one more story I need to do for the Christmas one. How many short stories are in it? Right now I have four, I think. Yeah, four. So I'm going to definitely write one more to go in there. I'm making an assumption that you're going to get that book out before Christmas. If I choose to do that one first, if not, it might be another year before that one comes out before. But yes, it would have to be probably September, October time frame, maybe to give it a little time. So your Christmas stories, are they Christmas themed? Are they emotional? They all take place at Chris, around Christmas time. Um, they are all emotional in their own way. And like my books, they all have a happy ending. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's, that's you in a nutshell, Rebecca, for me. You are an emotional writer. With a good outcome. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. I'm not sure that I agree that everyone gets a happy ending, but they do get... Not everyone, but the reader gets something of a happy ending. Else. Yeah, so there, there is closure, at least, at the very, very least. I'm not sure that Keely had a happy ending, although I do think it was the right ending. I think you did the right thing. Well, I know not everyone's going to agree with that, but... <laughs> okay, this reader thinks that it was the right outcome for Keely. Well, I agree with you, and I put it that way on purpose, but I know there are people who don't agree. Yeah. Well, it's quite controversial, I think. It's difficult to not give spoilers away when you're talking about a story, isn't it? It is. That's what makes writing the blurb so much fun. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I've spoke to an author once who said that writing the blurb for the back of the book was harder than writing the entire novel. (laughs) It really is. (laughs) That's the truth. (laughs) It must be really hard to decide what to put in it. Well, and I don't like giving spoilers away, so I have a hard time, especially with this book, because the real crooks of the story doesn't happen until you're about halfway through. So, you know, it's hard to not spoil something. And I was trying not to because I hate it. I don't want to read a story where I already know what's going to happen. Yeah. Sometimes I don't mind that as much because... Reading the book for me, really, it's it's about the journey. It's how you get in there. It's all the things that happen between the start and the end. It's not so much about the last paragraph or the last page or what happens at the end. It's how the hell they got there. I mean, all, what is happening to everybody along that line and the twists and the turns and the emotions and the characters and who else is going to be involved. I love books. Can you tell? <laughs> <laughs> There used to be a time when I didn't read a book unless I knew what happened at the end before I started it. You were a last page first kind of person, huh? <laughs> I used to be, but I'm not now. I've got out of that, but I used to be. And if I didn't like the ending, I wouldn't read the book. Oh, okay. I'd have a hard time reading the book if I already knew what the ending was. Uh, what sort of authors do you read, Rebecca? 
Um, I read a wide range, actually. I read some that are like what I write. I read crime novels. So who would you say your favourite author is, Rebecca? Have you got one? I, yeah, I don't know if I really have one. I've been, being an indie author myself, I've been trying to aim to read more my, of, of the indie authors, too. I've still got a long way to go on that journey and finding, you know, good reads in that area. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, I'm a bit of a slow reader, so it takes me a while to get through a book. Uh, I know that sounds a little strange coming from a writer, but it's it's the truth. So I guess when it comes to big name authors that people would know, I've read a lot of Kristen Hanna, which she writes the emotional stories kind of like I do. I am going to ask you one question, though, about what was the last book you read? The last one I finished reading. I just finished an audio book today. Because uh, I usually have an audiobook and a regular book at the same time. Because I use the audiobooks for when I can't sit down and read and I'm doing other things. Um, let see, what was the name of that? It was Lisa Jewell, I think was her name. The Night She Disappeared or something like that. I think that was the title. Ooh, the Night She Disappeared. Yeah, that was, that was a uh, mystery suspense kind of. Yeah. You are lovely to talk to, I have to say. Well, thank you. So are you. (laughs) And it was a pleasure to read Remember the Butterfly. It was a pleasure to get it as well before anybody else, other than Uh obviously your beta authors. So, yeah, your beta readers, sorry. So, yes, no, thank you very much for sharing that with us. Well, thank you for having me. Nice to talk to you. So, massive thanks there to Rebecca for joining us on the podcast and taking time out of a busy schedule to come and talk to all of us. Yes, thank you very much, Rebecca. I thoroughly enjoyed that. It was it was amazing to find out, though, that actually when she's reading a story, she can't envisage it in her head, but yet she's got the ability to put that down on paper so that I could envisage what was happening in my head. I thought that was quite clever. Yes. There's two ways of looking at that, I guess, uh, because I have difficulty sometimes seeing something i had this conversation with somebody yesterday who said describe an elephant and i was describing an elephant can you see it in your head well no not really i can't but it's the emotion for me i can see an emotional picture but i can't see a physical picture for things in my head maybe rebecca's a little bit like that maybe maybe that's why your books are so emotional you see, the minute you said there, describe an elephant, I could see an elephant down by the water having a bit of a drink and a, and a paddle about. Really? Yeah. I saw nothing at all. Different people. Yeah. Different ways our, our minds work. Yeah. It's fascinating, isn't it, really? It's is fascinating, yeah. But I have got to say, I do think that uh, Rebecca's a really, really good writer. I mean, as I said, the subject matter for me wasn't something, because I don't get that emotion. I just prefer blood and guts and guns. Um, we do. I know. But it, it's a very, very well-written book, and you have read more than one of her stories, haven't you, one of her novels? Yes. Um, this particular one had me in tears. I cried more over Keeley than Gillian. Not really sure why. It's not like I didn't feel anything for Gillian and everything she'd gone through. But for Keely, it was the sacrifices she made. Yeah. 
it was just so touching and wonderful. But the other book I've read of Rebecca's was When the Storm Ends, which is also extremely emotional. So, yes, she is right. She is a hugely emotional writer. Yeah. And then, of course, we've got the uh, the new one to look forward to. Yes. And the Christmas ones. Yeah. But before that, before all of that happens, we've got to look forward to our next episode of Bear Books Podcasts, which is a flash fiction. It is a flash fiction episode. It will be out for you to listen to on the 15th of March. So as a reminder, then, while you're waiting for that, the writing prompt for the next one is Roots. And we will post it on Twitter, so you can go and have a look at that if you forget between listening and writing for whatever inspires you. And that's at Bear Books Pod One. Why did we end up with that Twitter handle? I've got no idea. It was your fault. How, how have you had no idea? I'm sure it wasn't my fault. You're attributing fault to me. Yes, I bloody well am. I remember distinctly. Everything else was Bear Books Podcast. <laughs> yeah, because there I'm... was no other Bear Books podcast, so it was easy to have those names for our full handles on Instagram and Facebook. When it came to Twitter, somebody thought it would be fabulous to put Bear Books Pod One. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it just happened inadvertently. There was no fault attributed or could be lay at my feet. What you said at the time was, oh, I thought somebody would have used it already. Like who? <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> anyway, we are digressing. So on our Twitter feed, you will find the flash fiction prompt, which um for our episode that goes out on the 15th of March is Roots. And you've got until the 9th of March to get those stories into us, into the submissions at barebooks.co.uk. Email address. Yes. No less than 500 words, please, and no more than 1,000. And every story that we we get in will go into uh, next, well, not say next year's, it'll be this year's anthology, which will be out in November. However, don't forget the one that we've got out currently. Not really hard to find. You just put Bear Books Anthology into Amazon and there it is in all its glory. And don't forget that all the profits from the sale of that book are going to the Book Trust UK. Yes, and don't be quite so keen, madam. Not every story that gets sent in will be in the anthology. Our favourites will be in the anthology. <laughs> Otherwise, it'll be several volumes thick. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, Maybe I was getting a bit ahead of myself there. Yeah, so our favourites. Just enthusiasm. I like your thinking. Thank you very much. And I will forgive you on this one occasion. Like you have on every other occasion. Oh, fine. Okay, so until next time, then thank you very much for joining us on Bear Books Podcast today. Yes, thank you very much. Take care, everybody, and stay safe. Bye bye. Thank you for joining us. Now you've had a listen, why not pop over and join us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter? Or if you want to send in your stories, email us at submissions at bearbooks.co.uk. Mm-hmm.